Good evening, everyone. It's Midnight again, and welcome back to the Midnight Film Club. My name is David. I'm here with Jay, and our guest today. Please introduce yourself, guest. Sorry. <laughs> guest is Daniel. All right. Hey, brother. What's up? How are we doing? Mm. Very well, thank you. Welcome to Midnight. You are the first guest on our now. Yeah, well, I suppose that's true, isn't it? 18 episodes it's taken, but here he is. Finally. Shit, we've really done 18 episodes. Yeah. I don't feel like I've watched 18 movies. With veterans. So yeah, Dan, how you doing? It is a uh, honor and a privilege to be your first guest. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while, so it's it's uh, good. Yeah, this, this episode's like a little bit uh, behind, but you know, scheduling and whatever is a nightmare. It's the season. It's the busy season. Mm. Yes. Absolutely is, yeah. Yeah, well, um, we're gonna like do a movie that you you showed me originally, um, that you loved, uh, because I I actually remember the backstory to you showing me this movie. I had like chronic anxiety the weekend that I came up, yeah, <laughs> and you, you were like, were... you should chill the fuck out and watch Ghost Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Why Ghost Dog? <laughs> do you want to explain it? Well, down, you like, know. You don't want to jump too far ahead, but, you know, the core philosophy of this movie and the text that, you know, inspires it, the, the Hagakure in the Shadow of Leaves was like, when I saw this movie and then I went and read that book subsequently, it was um, really influential you know, to mm. me. It really helped me. It's that philosophy really helped me. Um, maybe, you know, this movie might actually be the, the, the reason I'm in Japan. Wow. We might need to think about that a bit more, but um, it certainly had a really big effect. And, um, and I thought, you know, that, that key philosophy, you know, like live every day or every moment as if you're already dead. I think it's <laughs> such a, a freeing, you know, kind of... <laughs> it's not a nihilistic philosophy. I think we, we could probably get into that later, but, you know, it was, mm, it was mm. quite good. And, right. and how how do you think that affected you, Jim? Um, Well, I remember enjoying the movie, um, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute with the first impressions. But, yeah, do you know, weirdly enough, I felt better after that, and I haven't really, like... <laughs> freaked out since to be honest so i don't know if it was like ghost dog itself because the movie's pretty bleak but um yeah the philosophy is i don't know what was it yamamoto sinemoto right his uh collection of uh commentaries and that mm -hmm. um which we'll get into but yeah uh okay. yeah i felt great <laughs> do we want to talk about like this is the first time for me to see this movie, do we mm. want to talk about like what I know, Dan? It's probably been a while since you've seen this movie for the first time. Oh yeah, but yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. like what? Wh I I guess I'll just share my first impressions. Like, yeah, I wasn't sure what the fuck this movie was gonna be about <laughs> <laughs> because it's 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 called like Ghost Dog, and then it has the subtext of uh, the subtitle of Way of the Samurai. So I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because it's got Forrest Whitaker in it, and he's like on a fucking roof with pigeons and he has a fucking katana and i'm like what is going like what the fuck is this right so i had no idea going into this what the fuck it was <laughs> um well to be honest 
I mean, when Dan showed me this. It's weird because, like, like you just said, it's Forrest Whitaker is like wearing a hoodie. He's a hitman. And then it's like Way of the Samurai underneath. It's like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's a crime film, but like with, you know, Japanese kind of undertones to it, you know, like with the literature and everything. Right, vaguely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And it it references a a French movie, The Le Samurai. Le Samurai. Le Samurai. By, uh, what's his name? Jean-Pierre Melville. Um, But yeah, I just... But this is the thing. I didn't read about it or anything before because Dan was just like, we should watch Ghost Dog. And then we put it on and I was very Mm. pleasantly surprised by it. But yeah, Dan, what was your first impression when you watched it? Well, okay, so this movie came out in, like, what? 1999. 1999. Yeah, 1999. Early in 1999. And, like, not long after this, The Sopranos started. But this predates The Sopranos by, like, months, right? Uh, But... Film school Woke up this morning. Uni. Yeah. <laughs> and um <laughs> at the time, like my my girlfriend at the time loved Dead Man, which is Jamush's earlier film. I don't know if you've seen that. Nope. Um it is spectacular. You should absolutely watch it. Um, Johnny Depp in its shot black and white. One of the characters from this movie is a character in that movie. Um, nobody. We can get there later but um so you know i remember i went and watched this at the cinema i'm pretty sure and okay my late teens and early 20s are a bit of a blur but i'm certain that i've seen this at the cinema and it was just i was like this is the coolest thing i've seen (laughs) in ages you know like forrest whitaker's like the the anarchist cookbook has come to life you know he makes his own silences you know he's got that you know, device that you know can unlock cars. You know, um, right, right. And the movie, but the uh, music by Rizzo. It's just shot really. It's. I love this movie, and as I said, <laughs> I really, I went out and I, I bought a copy of the Hagakure after I watched this movie. So I was like, this is fascinating. I hadn't really heard anything like that before. Mm. Um, mm, you know, right. having I mean, grown up in the suburbs of uh, Western Australia, so yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> Do you, have a you, ghost, do you have a ghost dog on the roofs of Perth, just like <laughs> keeping pigeons? I think know? where I lived at the time, there was a guy that raised pigeons uh, pretty close to us. <laughs> Did see that. Sco- Scomo. <laughs> Scomo on his roof. Not go that way. But, play, um, play, playing his ukulele. <laughs> oh, no. No, pigeon guy could never be that bad. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, it's a really great movie, but you know, like when I showed it to you and, and obviously subsequently it popped up on Netflix, right? Mm, yeah. But yeah, you know, this movie and like I said to you guys, have you ever seen Ghost Dog? And it's, it's a, sorry, have you ever seen, um, Dead Man? You know, it's a, it's a great movie, it, it, but access to these movies is getting like harder. And I think that's another yeah, I feel like a lot of movies, if they aren't, like, uh, cult classics or, like, you know, big blockbuster, like, 1980s, 1990s movies, like, trying to find anything is is tough unless it's been re-released on, like, a Blu-ray compilation or, like, a DVD somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty surprised this popped up on Netflix because... 
I think the moment it popped up, I texted you, Dan. I was like, oh, shit, Ghost, Ghost Dogs on Netflix. Like, wow, you know, like... Um, because I think I remember at the time looking for a copy and they were selling, like, Blu-ray Criterion Collection copies on Maricari for, like, 5,000 yen a pop. You know what I mean? And that was, like, the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's impossible to kind of buy Western DVDs or Blu-rays on Amazon because of the Russia problem. So it's... <laughs> it will arrive in, like... 10 fucking months but um yeah i mean the reason this is on netflix is it is a cult you know classic right you know it made which is weird because i've never heard of it until it was mentioned let's watch ghost dog and i'm like what the fuck is ghost dog is that like some some like disney movie with like a fucking labrador who is like hunting ghosts like what the fuck is (laughs) ghost dog right like Wave the samurai. I would right, watch a uh, Disney adaption of this movie. <laughs> the anime version of Ghost Dog. Um, well, what we should do next is uh, drop the trailer. Yeah, yeah we'll run the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll drop that in here right yeah. now. Um, so, Dan, would you like to introduce the name of this movie this week? All right, this week's movie is Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. A whole new century is coming, Louis. And Mr. Vargo wants every member of his family to make it a priority to erase this weirdo. This guy is a professional. Going after him could be very dangerous. Better him than you, right, Louis? Every day without fail, one should consider himself as dead. They're gonna whack you, Ghost Dog. If they don't find you, they're gonna whack me instead. Get the message off him. If a samurai's head were to be suddenly cut off, he should still be able to perform one more action with certainty. What is that supposed to mean? It's poetry. The poetry of war. I've been expecting you. It all starts with the pad and watching this rap session. Once again on the run, me the black I hear it? Nigga, and bang your head, punk! Ah, and it don't, 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 stop! Okay, so Ghost Dog, uh, 1999 crime film written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Um, it was made on a budget of 2 million, and it made almost, well, just almost over 10, nine, like... yeah, 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 9.3 million dollars. Runtime of 116 minutes, and to be honest, it didn't feel like a two-hour movie when I watched it. Kind of flew by. It, it felt like a two-hour movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, and starring Forrest Whitaker, Cliff Gorman, Henry Silver, Isaac DeBancole, Trisha Visay, and Victor Argo, and cinematography by Robert Muller, Muller Corner. Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so where do we start with this, really? Um, the director, Jim Jarmusch. Dan, you're a big fan. I am. Um, yeah. to, to, like, Jarmusch noobs like me and Dave, because this is, like, the first I've, movie. This is the first movie I've ever seen of his. Yeah, um, do you want to, like, shed a little light on, like, his style? Um, again, if you want to mention Dead Man and stuff, and, like... Mm. Mm-hmm. What you love about Jim Jarmusch, man? Like, can you sell him to us? Can, you know? I, can I give you an ele- elevator pitch on Jim Jarmusch? <laughs> Roll the PowerPoint. <laughs> He's like a, a really fascinating um, character, and 
I personally I worry that like people like Jarmusch and also like Tarantino, although you could have Tarantino's had more commercial success, but I'm worried that you know, given those issues we talked about around access to classic cinema, that we won't see the likes of these um, directors, these authors in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So we're hurtling towards a, a future where it's you just don't get this sort of education unless, I don't know, you, your old man has pirated or torrented just, you know, collection of reams and reams of movies. You think about someone like Tarantino, I believe the backstory for him is that he was like working in a like, you know, a Block, video blockbuster. blockbuster or something, just watched like everything in there. And you've got someone like like Jarmusch is a real like sort of punk aesthetic, you know, he comes out comes out of I think like Ohio, goes to New York. He's hanging out in uh, CBGBs, you know, that old bar, so famous, you know, 70s, mm. like new wave and all that. And then, you know, the story is that he, he goes off to, to Paris and, you know, um, works as a delivery driver and then starts hanging out at the uh, Cinematique Franc- uh, Francaise. I'm murder that. And sorry to every <laughs> French speaker out there. But, you know, that institute is... Um, a place where they it was like the largest collection of like world cinema in the world mm. so to speak so mm. he goes and gets right. his you know he goes there and it's there where he sees like um, Kurosawa's films and, and other works from around the world he, you know he's able to get that education that you know I'm saying just isn't available I mean it's hard enough in his day to go and do that right, right, yeah, but especially like, then you know I often say to people, you know, what we really need, instead of having to pay, like, you know, Hulu and Netflix and God and Disney Plus, all these people, you know, money. Like, why, why, and we're losing, you know, these films all the time. What we really need and what we should have, given the, uh, our technological prowess, is essentially, you know, a library of Alexandria of digital mm, content, yep. right? It's It's the... It's the same thing with, like, uh, video games as well. Like, yeah. there's no preservation for, like, old games as well. So, like, when games get, like, disc rot or whatever and, like, shit just doesn't work, those games are just fucking gone. Because no one's backing up any of that data. Same way that nobody is, like, uh, digitizing old film reels, right? So, like, if you have, like, all the, all the shit is really old and all you have is a VHS copy left, right? Like, if that's the best thing you can rip it from, you might as well rip that. But, like, mm. nobody has the negatives for every single film, right? Yeah, and, and this is so true. And, you know, I, after watching this movie, Dead Man, I had definitely had a Jim Jarmusch phase and I went back and watched his older movies like um, Down By Law, uh, Midnight Train, um, down by Law was his first collaboration with the cinematographer of this movie. I've written on my notes, um, mm. Robbie Miller. Um, yeah, who's like I said, also does the imagery on this. So um, yeah. I've got Mystery a quote Train. Here, Sorry, that was Mystery Train, uh, Stranger Than Paradise. I remember watching this as well. Coffee and cigarettes. I've seen. 
uh, broke got flowers. A... This is sort of after my Jim Jarmusch phase. I did it after university to come back and get this. Only Lovers Left Alive. You should definitely watch that as well. It's great. I haven't seen Patterson. I've got a really good quote here, actually, from Tom Waits mm. describing Jarmusch, where he says, Jim went grey when he was 15. As a result, he always felt like an immigrant in the teenage world. He's been an immigrant, a benign, fascinated foreigner ever since, and that's what all of his films are about. So, yeah, it's interesting, yeah. And there was always that, like, that kind of mystique about him. He's, like, he's a guy that, you know, the, the sort of stories was he just woke up one day and he was like, white hair you know um so it's just a very cool kind of you know Mm. backstory to the guy he makes cool movies he collaborates with very with he's like um you know like Wes Anderson or you know or like Tarantino how you've got this group Mm. of people that you know he works with all the time um yeah, and just making some great movies, you know, resisting that commercial pressure or the, that outside funding, which makes it difficult for him to make, uh, you know, as many films as he probably could. But he, you know, he makes quality stuff. And yeah, I just I really worry that um, in this sort of, you know, world we're hurtling to just, oh, well, it's all about audience metrics or like, you know, what will the algorithm stand you know like and, and yeah. this sort of almost kabukiization if i want to just make up a word of like western culture where we're just telling the same stories over and over again now right mm-hmm. you know we need a new um we have a pantheon of characters which uh, this is the current moment i find i think we're in where we have this pantheon right. of like marvel or dc characters and this is it's, all it's, it's we just, make movies it's about. yes exactly Postmodernism, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. late stage capitalism, but <laughs> yeah. let's go go there. But you know, we're just we're doing what dare I say the Japanese have done for a very long time, which is just take this you know section of their culture and just keep making the same stories about it, just from slightly different angles. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. So something like this, this is a really original movie it's a really original idea right but i can't say i've ever seen anything like it yeah but it borrows heavily from like so many different influences right all right that being the case do we want to get into like what is the basic plot of this movie because i feel like we've kind of danced around it a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we have forrest whitaker's ghost dog um and he's a uh he works for louis doesn't he a local mm-hmm. kind of gang yeah gang, some well, kind of ma- mafioso mobs, yeah yeah mid-tier mafioso yeah he's a retainer right he's his retainer um didn't he save his life yeah yeah he yes. saved yeah years earlier earlier didn't he that's that's why he's he feels like indebted to him because he was getting his ass beat and then uh louis fucking shot a guy <laughs> hmm, hmm. but like <laughs> Go- ghost dog is like a shit hot kind of hitman like he's a I fucking mean, now he awesome is. assassin um but like as he does this he's like you know adhering to like the hagakure and like the the samurai code basically yes and his interpretation of that um it was good watching it a second time actually but yeah um but 
he's kind of living in peace with his pigeons uh, on a roof. And then the story gets complicated because... Uh, what's his name? Frank? Handsome, Handsome Frank. Yes. Yeah. And he's fucking uh, the daughter of a uh, boss, right? That's correct. Uh, yeah. yeah. Vargo. Vargo, and, uh, yes. And Lou is like, oh, I want you to kill him. And as he arrives and kills the 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 dude, there's a girl, right? In the room, I remember. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't kill her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, Louise. Louise? Louise, yes. yeah. And uh, he leaves her alive, but then, like, he's uh, kind of... Let me see. He's kind of marked after that, right? Because... Don't they, like, try and throw him under the bus? I can't remember, like... He'll be implicated in the murder of um, a made man, right? <laughs> or something. Yeah, so basically the, yeah. Hit, the hit goes wrong in that Louise was not yeah. supposed to be there. Um, one guy says, you know, I, I put her on the bus to the seaside. You know, obviously ah, she yeah. off mm-hmm. the bus and went back to Handsome Frank's house. Now, um, they're sort of saying that you know, as he has traumatized the bosses it's implied that as he's traumatized the boss's daughter by whacking handsome frank um seppuku style (laughs) head um (laughs) with a with a silas pistol um yeah he you know and handsome frank was one of us that you know ghost dog now needs to be uh taken out so you know louis finds himself in this predicament where um you know, he's saying to kill this guy, but um, you know, and then Ghost Dog sort of takes it upon himself to say, "Well, you know, uh, he needs to protect uh, Lou." Uh, so, you know, the one, mm. only way that he can do that is by taking out basically everyone else in the family, so that mm-hmm. <laughs> Louis is protected. But no one knows a thing about Ghost Dog, and there's the uh, there's the homing pigeon kind of stuff. You know, which I found pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was it was funny. I, I had written down. I'm like, I don't know if like homing pigeons are genius or dumb as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I I like you could track a homing pigeon, but I guess this is 1999, so like it's a little bit more difficult, but <laughs> it's more reliable than dial up. This leads to <laughs> one of my my favorite lines in the movie, though. It's like the old um, concertary. Yeah. Passenger pigeon, passenger pigeon being extinct since But that—that's the most brutal part of this movie. Like, fuck all the humans being knocked off. It's like when he comes up to the roof. Well, obviously that's later on, but like they just start just shooting up all the fucking pigeon homes on the top of the roofs. <laughs> <laughs> just like. Is he here? Like they've just massacred all the pigeons, and it's like, oh, not wrong, not only that, but they're going one. to like every single pigeon coop in the goddamn yeah. city, and just like, <laughs> oh, there's a guy up here. Is he black? <laughs> ah, fucking shoot him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They kill fucking the just some random dude. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they kill they kill his pigeons, and he fucking flips. Well, he doesn't flip, but he he just realizes what must be fucking done yeah he's got to kill vargo and- yeah i want i want to say it's funny like the the first note and i made a note of it 
in like the first four minutes it's it's funny reading this now after finishing the movie but my my first note is this is going to be some weeb shit isn't it (laughs) (laughs) far from it actually like i mean it's kind of like a little i don't know for me it's a little bit cringe i'm just like "Eh, yeah i don't know i see it as like uh like dan was saying you know jarmusch is very influenced by like you know ozu and uh kurosawa and Mm -hmm. imamura like so many of these like japanese directors that he watched in the uh cinematheque francais i I get it so like yeah face value i look at it and i'm just yeah yeah this is like the the kid who who watches like too much anime and thinks (laughs) he's a ninja or something like it's yeah it's so much deeper david so it is i know i agree i agree it is but if you if you're looking at it like on a very surface level, that's what it feels like. Yeah, there's just a guy on the roof of a katana. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just a, a weeb. You know. <laughs> I follow someone actually on Instagram, an old friend of mine, and he went back to the states, and all he's doing on his Instagram is just like I think he imported a katana, or just I don't know how he got it. He might have got it from like a cheap fucking LA store or something. But he's just like posing with it, just like Tom Cruise fucking style, and just wandering around his 1K apartment in fucking in the states, just like chopping the air. So yeah, I completely get it. <laughs> the way of the way of the weeb that went home. I mean, noted that you know, Ghost Dog um, may sort of practice EI, but doesn't actually use a sword on anyone. Yes, he did. Oh, but <laughs> yes. he sheathed that gun like a pro. Yeah, the little the little EI, like, you know, oh, gun wave into it's, the It's jail. so fucking dumb. It's, it's classic. <laughs> I like it. That's a good point, actually. I wanted him to, like, just fucking, uh, how do I say, just cut somebody to fucking pieces. Like. No, but the funniest thing is, like, when he puts away the gun, they've added in, like, sound effects of it going, like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's goofy in a way that like I guess could be endearing, but I just I just see it now in 2022. And I'm like, did that what what is this? Yeah, yeah. We've got to talk about the uh, the French dude, um, his best friend, um, Raymond. Raymond. Yeah, yeah Raymond. 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 Yeah, who is an ice cream vendor, um, and obviously. It depends on like the version you watched. Um, I think on Netflix they had the. Did they have the subtitles? No, Netflix really stuffed this up. I laughed so hard because, like, you know when when we watched it, Jay, and we didn't. This is before it came out on Netflix, no, no, and no I went on this rant about the supposed to be subtitles in this movie um, because apparently when they first released it, there was a stuff up with the prints and, you know, it ran for two weeks in the cinemas with no subtitles on Raymond, right? And then, um, you know, because when I saw it in the cinema, there were subtitles, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, then they they um, reprinted it and put it back out. And then, but, so when I watched yeah. it on Netflix, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And you change it over to Japanese and... <laughs> Lo and behold, the subtitles. So I was wondering if you guys had realized that when you when you watched it. I yeah. I watched it on Netflix, and the Japanese t- subtitles for him were on by default. It was it's very weird because all the English le- that's spoken, there's no subtitles. But then when he's speaking French, there's Japanese subtitles. So I'm like, oh, do you just assume that 
Japanese people understand English, but they don't understand French, so you need to subtitle that? Like, it's weird. This is the thing, though. When I watched it, um, there were no subtitles on that copy, were there, Dan? I mean, it was in... No, no. No. But this is the thing, right? So, like, he doesn't understand French, and Raymond doesn't speak English, right? Mm. But they they have that connection. And it's like the whole... Dave, like I mentioned, Lost in Translation. Like, if you didn't know Japanese, you wouldn't know what the fucking director's shouting yeah. at. Yeah. And it's like that. There's that immersion there where it's like, oh, you're supposed to, like, not understand. You know what Except I mean? Except here's the problem is I also study French for yeah. six years. <laughs> Poutine, bro. Well, you know, so uh, in this case, I'm you... getting, like, three different languages at the same time so but, I can piece but it together. I, I, I saw that, like, when I saw it with Dan, I was like, oh, I feel that because they don't show what he's saying, it, mm. it, it, was, it was better for me because it's like, I understand a bit of French, but it's like, I can understand... That he doesn't understand him and he doesn't understand him, and it makes their connection stronger just by looking at it. Yeah, that... If I could see what they were both saying, it kind of, I don't know, would take me out of it a little bit, if that makes sense. Well, it, it's actually it's a shame because when you do get the subtitles, it's like one of the kind of comedic, like lightly comedic moments of the film where they're basically just saying exactly the same thing to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So, you know. It's the same. They have an understanding, you know, but they don't understand each other. But yeah, it's. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And he also becomes friends with a little girl, right? Perline. Yeah, and he he gives her a copy of Rashomon. Rashomon. Mm, yeah. Which he got off of Louise when he murdered Handsome Frank. Yes. Yes. Um, can I can I say that there's like no world in where someone reads Rashomon and Hagakure who live in like the same like ten kilometer radius in, in New Jersey? In New Jersey, <laughs> that was like one of the most unbelievable things in the movie. I'm like, what the fuck? No, 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 no. Keep keep an open mind because you know back you know in that time frame, like, people actually read books. It's not like today. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> What would you do to some extent? Reading like fucking Treasure Planet or something <laughs> changes the story. Here's a copy of Lord of the Flies and he just adopts that. He just like <laughs> sticks a fucking mafia's mafia boss's head on a stick at the end of the movie, you know. <laughs> By the way, Perlene, don't go to a desert island with a bunch of kids because you'll go mental, you know. But um yeah, eventually um it, the shit hits the fan and we get like a succession of kind of like really quick fucking deaths <laughs> in this movie mm-hmm. through absolutely brutal means and i might be jumping ahead because um, the but... mob yeah the turning point really is yeah the pigeons but also like the mob comes for for louis as well yeah yeah so he's kind of tired yeah so but the like... i've just got to talk about one fucking death in this movie and it's the uh the sink <laughs> when he shoots up the pipe, he shoots up the pipe. Yeah. <laughs> which is actually uh, from another movie, isn't it? It's uh, that's from that, yeah. The least le samurai, yeah. Um, yeah, basically the key that he has and the oh no, wait, no, it's a movie called Branded to Kill by Suzuki Seijin. 
um, has the uh, drain pipe death, basically. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say ripped from that, but done very well. <laughs> but, like, the one thing I do love about this movie is, like, how he preps to kill, like, everybody. It's just so meticulous. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know as a hitman, but, like, you see, like, how fucking well he does everything. Like, from the DIY weapons to just, like, the fucking window. How, like, he doesn't oh, he puts crack the tape it. on the window yeah, to break and, when he shoots it. Yeah, it's just absolutely great. Um... I do love that part of this movie, actually, how, like, because you sympathize for the pigeons, and then every person he kills, it's like, yep. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Do you think John Wick stole that <laughs> plot point? Because, well, because this is his dog, right? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, like, way more accurate, because, like, he comes home. His animal gets killed. He goes into his room and he has like his secret gun case under the floorboards, which is like almost yeah, identical. Scene for scene, the same as yeah. John Wick. Bashes it. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. I would be very surprised if the director of John Wick had not also watched this movie. Huh. Huh. You know what? I've I've, I've I've binged all of John Wick when I had COVID. No regrets, honestly. That's fucking brutal, that movie, man. But, like, I couldn't watch the bit with the dog because we just got a dog, right? So, it's fucking horrible. Plus, everybody's Russian, which is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, you know, like, Forrest Whitaker's uh, gun cutter is a little bit uh, slower, perhaps. Uh. Yes, I, I, I wrote in my notes, John Wick, this man is not. It's like a rotund John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> little bit, yeah. Slightly rotund. What else is Forrest Whitaker in a, again? He was in the Last King of Scotland, wasn't he? Um, just gotta go back to. Oh, this. he's in a the ton. Thing stuff. before this, uh, actually, Platoon, bro. Who Platoon. Platoon. But the thing that I knew Forrest Whitaker for before I saw this movie, so this is like back in '99, was the Crying Game. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've heard of the movie. I've never seen it, but like it's famous enough that I know. Yeah, the name, so. which was a, at, for the time that that came out, like, 92, and then for, like, the years afterwards when people actually went and saw it on, you know, VHS or whatever, DVD, was a really um, quite controversial movie for its time as well. Like, um, so that was, like, the sort of thing I'd seen him in before that I kind of recognised him in as well because, you know, but this... Um, this movie really broke uh, that those two movies really broke Forrest Whitaker into sort of mainstream consciousness, mm, mm. Hmm. to my mind anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, I've just realised that the guy he shoots at the pipe was um, Sonny Valero. Sonny Valero, Valero right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So and, he's uh, the guy that originally orders Louis to um, go and take out Ghost Dog. Yeah, but then like Louis will eventually like avenge his boss right so that's where we get to like the final part right mm -hmm. am i am i glazing over anything here <laughs> yeah i just sort of made i mean there's there's stuff you've skipped over but i mean it it's the basic plot right like i think Hmm. There's there's a little bit more to it because there's stuff that happens like where there's cutaways with like Forrest Whitaker talking and then the he's like quoting fucking Hagakure and shit like that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> before before he takes out Sonny, of course, the, the famous up the 
up the pipes and he goes through basically he goes through the uh through the Valero like mansion takes out yeah yeah you know the takes out fucking family, everyone yeah takes out everyone um and then takes out Sonny and then you yeah you lead to that final mm. scene where you know there's this high noon mm. yeah well he gives all of his money to the French guy and then uh he gives the um Hagakure to the young girl right yeah, and then we get into like that final scene. The whole reason I'm shooting through the plot is because I want to move on to like themes later. Um, I wanted to spend more okay. time on it, but uh, with the can, end, can I just yeah, can I just talk about like one or two things in like they're just scenes from the movie that I just found are kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, sure, weird yeah. or interesting, and then we can move on pretty quick to uh, themes and stuff because I think that's where the meat of this absolutely is. yeah absolutely okay. um. I love the scene when uh, Louis goes to talk to, like, the three mafioso bosses, and he's, like, explaining, like, who the fuck Ghost Dog is. Yeah. And they have this whole conversation about, like, <laughs> why the fuck he has a weird name. Yes. <laughs> and then and then at the end, they're like, they're like, oh, fucking black people and Native Americans, mm. they, they have these fucking weird names. And then he's like, hey, he yells at the guy on the other side of the door. He's like, hey, can you uh, go get Sammy the Snake, Joey Rags, and Big Angie? Like yeah. immediately <laughs> after the, the three stupidest fucking names. But he's like, what do you like, Black Oak. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> fucking, yeah, what a seat. Like, that's... Yeah, um, some great little lines of, like that in this movie. <laughs> Oh, and he's um, you know, how he starts rapping. He he starts um, quoting like Public Enemy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, these guys have all uh, And I know, think we'll probably names, actually like... talk about this this scene in uh, themes because I I'm a little bit confused as to what the fuck it is. But like that entire bear scene is like, I maybe I just maybe I'm just a dummy and I don't get it. But uh, wait, it wait, was very wait, weird. Which scene again? The one where he's, like, driving away after he's just iced all the dudes in the mansion, and then he sees the two, like, hunter guys on the side of the road with uh, the bear. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And one of the keys to that is how, like, everything sort of is uh, foreshadowed mm. in this movie, and how he plays with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so the do we want to move on to cinematography or themes or music next? Which which do you the ending? <laughs> Shall we do the ending? <laughs> okay, play. yeah, sure. Um, Louis confronts him, right? And mm-hmm. but Ghost Dog doesn't want to like, you know, shoot him. So Louis you can't shoot him, right? Master, right? And he gi- he gives him Rashomon and just goes read it, you know. <laughs> But then the girl tries to like shoot at him. Yeah. Uh, shoot at Louis, right? Yeah. But then Ghost Dog dies with his friends at his side, and then Louis gets into a car with uh, Ray's daughter, right? That's um, correct. Yeah. The girl Louise, yeah. She's now the she's now the boss, right? That's the big reveal. She's now the boss, and she's not the, you know crazy girl that they've all sort of made her out to be even though she's very like you know quite quiet through the whole mm. sort of thing um you know you always see her in like basically you know sweatpants and 
flip flops, right? Watching cartoons. <laughs> Watching cartoons. And here she is, you know, basically in, you know, in charge. In Chanel, yeah. you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Mm, the sunglasses uh, all made up and she's the boss and that's the sort of big reveal and you know, she's going to lead the family now obviously much depleted <laughs> thanks to ghost dog i don't know how that's going to go for her but um <laughs> and and louis is uh ostensibly now the taken sort of the sunny's role as the underboss you know under her so yeah yeah and then the final shot is um the young girl reads the Hagakure that um, Ghost Dog gave to her. Yeah. Uh, the end is no important se- in no all sequel, things. No sequel, though. <laughs> the end is important in all things. No, there was not a sequel because... Ghost Fox, way of the... Uh, <laughs> way of the... Not Samurai. I'm trying to think of something smart, but I've had a whiskey. <laughs> what would a sequel be called if you could call it? Uh, way of the Perline, I don't know. Way of the Perline. <laughs> way of the Haitian girl, I don't know. But, uh... Ghost, Forest Whitaker, Way of the Eye, or something. <laughs> right, um, yeah, so shall we move on to uh, cinematography? Yeah, let's move mm-hmm. on to it. So, like I mentioned, uh, his, co- uh, how do I say, Robbie Muller, his collaborator, uh, did the cinematography for this. Um, what do you reckon to it? Like, how it's shot, how it's filmed. Um, it's a very, like, mob kind of film, really. Like, the style. Um, but it's set... Like, the settings are incredibly, like, kind of different. It doesn't feel like a mob film, but it's shot like a mob film, in my opinion. If you know... Oh, am I on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I thought I thought my shit died then. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my google froze then i was like shit but yeah it yeah like some shots in this are like very like um i don't know it reminds me of like a tarantino movie with the way it's shot yes. at times and yeah, like the locations location. i don't know it's it's a very odd movie watching it because it's it's a kind of mishmash of different styles really well you get back um, to like themes too like because this is yeah like you say it, it's got gangster movie elements to it but it's there's no glamour no no No. not at all yeah and again that's thematically you notice things like in front of every single one of the gangsters houses like what is there there's a for sale sign right yeah Yeah. these guys Uh, are not this is like post rico you know post the sort of destruction of the four families or a massive downgrading of their power in the sort of like 80s and 90s, right? So with Rico laws and stuff, the mafia's really on their back foot. You know, the first scene in the Chinese restaurant, you know, the, the manager of the Chinese restaurant is giving like Sonny, you know, hassle. Like he's saying, where's the rent, right? He's saying, they think, I'll get the rest of it mm, to you next mm. month. And when they go to that social club, where they're all like hunkered down and just in that crappy sort of social club restaurant looking place. And yeah. the guy comes in and he's giving Sonny crap again, going like, you're three months behind the rent. Like these guys, are, they're broke, right? Well, and so, it is, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, 
you know, like gangster movies, this kind of like really strips down like the the myth of like the you know like the stereotypical kind of gangster in a movie, right? Because mm. all of the mafia in this are broke as fuck, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like the imagery around them, like like the setting, really like brings that out because everybody's like living in fucking poverty. You know what I mean? Mm. And like you mentioned with the rent, and then there's the old dude that watches the cartoons and he's just gone. You know <laughs> what I mean? He's he's fucking mm-hmm. dead behind the eyes and. You know what I mean? And, like, the, the kid that throws shit at them, like, they can't even, like, control it. Like, it just makes a mockery of, like, the mafia, basically. It's such an interesting kind of take on it. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I had written down... I had written down, I, I said, like, I love how the mafia is a bunch of fucking idiots who can't even do their jobs correctly. <laughs> like, they're absolutely incompetent. As like, the mafia... They shouldn't be scary, because they're not really... Hmm... Yeah, yeah. The Sopranos then, played with some of these themes as well. Right? Mm. But then, but then again, like compared to Samurai, they were like, um, they worked for like the top brass, didn't they? Like emperors and fucking lords and that, right? Um, but in this, like, he's dirty. He lives on a fucking rooftop. But you know what I mean, and his employer like hates his you know racial origins and all that kind of stuff so it's like this weird contrast that you've got really um so like not only does it show the mafia in like a certain light but like a representation of the samurai in his sense like it's not how it used to be if it makes sense you know what i mean well that's a theme in the hagakure like you know the hagakure is written well after the you know, um, unification of Japan, and, and um, it's not shown in the film, but there's sort of passages in that book where he's basically whining that, like, you know, because it was written by like a seventy-something-year-old dude, right? So yeah. in his time, so he's whining that, like, you know, samurai now are not like the samurai back in his day, right? You know, so it's mm. <laughs> it's got that he's choosing a theme, you know, a book that was kind of written towards the end of an age, right, and you know, this movie is about the sort of end of an era, you know, the end of the, um, you know, sort of primacy of, of the mafia in American criminal life, right? Their waning power as, you know, what we see sort of come through the 2000s and up to now is, you know, the, the mob are a spent force, right? You know, they've been completely supplanted by other criminal organisations. So... Yeah, it does play yeah. with those things. I think, you know, Louie and Ghost Dog have respect for each other, but, yeah, obviously the other members of the Mafia are kind of, of a, again, they're, they're of a older time, right? They're uh, perhaps they're, they're not uh, very politically correct in their uh, manners mm, of speech or, or ways of thinking, right, which is to be expected. But What blows me away as well is, like, um, Ghost Dog himself, so he's like African American who has <laughs> reinvented himself as like a Japanese warrior working for like Italian American gangsters who were in a Chinese restaurant. So it's like this fucking huge class of cultures, which is like I don't know, it forms the environment to the film. Yeah. And yeah. like all of the relationships, even between him and the uh I just realized he's uh Haitian, 
not French, the ice cream dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, because of their connection as well, it's, you know what I mean? Their shared spirituality and like, they're bound through their like, even though they don't understand each other's communication, it's just a positive kind of interaction in that world. And it's really interesting on like a kind of human level. Like, especially with the clash of cultures and that. And I've just got one more note and then I'll let Dave speak in a minute. But like, um, in terms of race as well, I noticed that like all the white men in this movie are like really self-destructive, you know what I mean? And just pricks. But like, uh, the black men in the movie are like spiritual people, right? Um, so for example, you've got Ghost Dog, you've got, um, Raymond, and then you've got Riza, right? RZA. Um, who interacts with him on the street, the camouflage samurai. You know what I mean? And it's um, it's really interesting. It really is interesting. There's a lot of different characters and like um, things you can see, really. I can't really speak properly at the minute because I'm two, two whiskeys in. But you, you see what I'm getting at, right? Like there's a lot of yeah, plays interesting community cultures like, like yeah. that have come together in just like one community that's just you know completely bleak and desolate. Really, um, I really is, like that. Yeah, yeah, which is probably Jersey, but it's never referred to as. <laughs> they never really say where the the movie takes place. It's right, it's just like it's America. There's a there's a number plate that says the industrial state. Yeah, they're both it. fake number plates. Yeah, and the highway state. Yeah. But I mean, who gives a fuck about New Jersey? Am I right? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> that's that's from that's from Mike. Even though we went to New Jersey, but you know, Americans on the East Side don't really talk about it that well. So, <laughs> but yeah, Ghost Dog was shot there, so that's a positive. Hey, um, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about the cinematography? Dan, what do, you reckon? what do you reckon? No, just like, a, there's a lot of really cool shots, like, you know, in the opening scene where he's, like, sort of weaving between people. Like, it's all very well choreographed. Mm, like, he, yeah, you know, yeah. he, it sets that scene. He's a guy that's, like, you know, he just moves through the community without, you know, being noticed. You know, he's got that I mean, it's that in his name, mystique, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the scene where he's, like, changing the the license plates things like that it is, it, it is really well shot you know um i like the kind of cards throughout the movie that like quote parts of the hagakure but it's like you know set to the the is it rizza is that how you call it RZA, yeah, yeah like rizza's music and like just like that blue kind of card and then he reads like passages and like in the background it's just him and his car you know what i mean like a shot from the car um, I really like that in this, how do I say, like, dispersed throughout the movie is really, really mm. cool. Yeah. yeah. How it sort mm. of sets up the theme for the next sort of... Like, chapter kind of chapter thing. Chapter of yeah. the movie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, what? How does this compare to other Jarmusch work? I, I know you said the, the one that he did with Johnny Depp was in black and white, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I've, it may actually have been the first movie he made in colour. Ah. Uh, oh, really? Like, all of his previous stuff was black and white? Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then. So let's move on to uh, music. Music. Of course. Yeah, RZA. Okay. 
Ding, ding. Sub- you should put that soundtrack in. It's it's very. I mean, obviously, it's it's very Wu Tang like that. Like the, it's very very similar. Well, there are actually like a whole bunch of killer bees in the <laughs> like movie, like in the park, right? Mm. When they're they're rapping to Cream, so you've got like the the Crips in the park, yeah, uh, yep. rapping to Cream. Like a bunch of them are actually from the Wu Tang Clan. Rizzo himself has a small cameo at the end of the movie, um, yeah. obviously. And I'm not sure. I think, like, you know, he goes and buys birdseed and there's, a, there's, like, three bloods, like, out the front. Three bloods the, out the front, yeah. yeah. Uh, like the five percenters. I think they also may have been retained. I'm not too sure. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Well, the sound, yeah, the soundtrack itself as well, in, like, retrospective reviews, a lot of people said that it was, like, really like prime rizza and few people really got to hear it because it was such a kind of niche movie you know what i mean but like a lot of people say it's some of his best work mm-hmm. yeah um, that, was, that was yeah them at their feet there's another little um easter egg in the movie too um he drives past a, a club called liquid sword yeah. yes uh, i noticed that yes <laughs> and for those of you that don't know uh, go and grab yourself a copy of Liquid Swords by Jizza. Jizza, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Was that intentional? Did they change? Did they like Drop put that S. in there yeah, as like, like yeah. they've changed the bar name to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was intentional. Yeah. Okay. I I, I wondered because I saw it. I'm like, huh? Liquid Swords. Okay, that's hmm. Hundred yeah, percent intentional. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, soundtrack was by RZA, um, and it is it really helps set the, the sort of mood for the the whole movie. I think it's well used. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I I don't have much to to say about it. I mean, it fits the movie, but like, there's there's not like a track that I remember in a way that I would other movies. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just like that kind of a movie viewer where unless there's like a really standout track like uh I don't know uh like Duel of the Fates or something from Phantom Menace <laughs> like, like something that just stands on you're like oh okay I will remember this song speaking and of nothing Duel, sticks out speaking of Duel of the Fates um they released the Obi-Wan Kenobi live action trailer and it's in it so mm. ooh chills. nothing to do with this movie though no no, no. no um but just Go you know it, it's a good it was one of those great collabos because like you know it was the wu-tang are like really into like schlock samurai movies yeah like wushu like kung fu movies and shit yeah yeah Yeah, and um it's actually slipping my mind but that opening um the intro to liquid swords um is what's that movie from um, choose the ball oh god uh, yeah come with me choose the sword and come with me choose the ball and choose death you know like that um one of the goriest like samurai movies ever made so it's got... is that the one with the guy who has like the the fucking hat with the blade on it yeah, yeah, yeah. people little mirror oh, or something. Fuck. fuck what is that movie called? shogun <laughs> assassin bro yes yes. <laughs> yes oh yes yeah yeah yes <sighs> Man, I haven't fucking seen that in years. <laughs> I saw that at university. Which yeah, because it was Lone can... Wolf and Cub, right? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> fucking hell. 
Oh, Tommy Saburo Wakayama, yeah. He was in Black Rain. He was the mafia boss uh, in Black yeah, Rain. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Another connection is. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, do you have my Blu-ray of that, bro? You do, don't you? Or did you, ba- did you bring it back? I, I don't back. know. Huh. Maybe. I'll check in a bit. But anyways, um, should we move on to more kind of themes if you guys have got any? Yeah, let's let's move on to themes because I feel like a big dummy dum-dum and I don't understand what, like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe because I haven't read the Hagakure. Professor Guys is here to educate you. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> please go ahead. <laughs> Alright then, bro. Um, How do we preface this? Like... We, you mentioned uh, to me when I was like fucking dying from panic. Live <laughs> as if you're already dead. Uh, so, do you want to elaborate more on like how this relates to our protagonist and Forrest Whitaker? Yeah, <laughs> as Ghost Dog. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. I'll, I'll crack on about this because I, I was thinking about this earlier today as well. So taking my, um, you know, sort of constitutional walk around the, uh, the rivers here in Kofu. Um, you know, <laughs> this movie, um, to me, is a story about how different groups of people find meaning in the chaos of their lives, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Forrest Whitaker is obviously, he's attacked uh, and he gets the, as I said, he gets the crap beaten out of him and that's how he meets Louis. Now, it's... You've got to watch this movie a couple of times to realise it's coming to a different film about Rashomon, but their recollections of that event are actually different. Right? Mm. So in Ghost Dog's recollection of this, the guy points the gun at him and Louis shoots him. In Louis' retelling of how they meet, and this is right at the end of the movie, Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The guy points the gun at Louis, so Louis blows his head off, right? So. Okay, yeah, I did notice that. Right? So, one of the things is kind of like, is, is Ghost Dog's sort of loyalty to Louis misplaced, right? But that's where mm. the, the. That's why Rashomon is used to sort of. Think. Okay, hang on. Bef- before, we, before we get any deeper than that, maybe we should explain what the fuck is Rashomon for people who don't know who haven't read Rashomon. <laughs> right, you go I know it. what it is. You go for but- it. I I cannot explain it well enough that um, all right in in a nutshell Rashomon is is a movie no book sorry Kurosawa <laughs> um, did did make a version that did a Rashomon book yeah, yeah. Rashomon but you know an idea that it, it it's a story that's told from three different perspectives and you know all about the same event all about right? the same event and it you know it's a classic tale because what it's teaching the allegory and you know, what it's teaching people is that you know people's memory is flawed right mm. sort of interpret events however they choose to interpret them everyone's got a different perspective and um, you know you shouldn't mm. really assume what somebody's uh, you know recollection of what their perspective of an event is going to be so so yeah louise is reading rashomon when Ghost Dog comes in and whacks Handsome Frank and she gives him the book, which he then passes to Perlene and then later on passes to a now bloodstained copy to uh, <laughs> Louis at the end of the movie. But right. going back to that that idea of finding meaning in, in your life and, you know, I was 
recently read um, Victor E. Frankel's, you know, Man's Search for Meaning. If you haven't done that, I, I really recommend you do. But you know, this is a guy that survived you know, Auschwitz. Um, you know, in that book, he sort of talks. You know, that you, you can find meaning in either a love, you know, either for another person or for a job, or you know, some kind of sense of a mission. Verbaling a little bit, but you know, boil it down. That's where it is. And Ghost Dog, you know, finds meaning in the chaos of his environment, which you know, as Jay said, is impoverished. You know, mm. is violent. You know, gun violence is a is a factor in their environment. Um, there's a lot of crime. D- 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 there's d- a lot decay. of poverty. Yeah, decay. Right, that decline, yeah. that urban sort of and industrial decline, you know, that he sees around him. He finds meaning in, you know, giving himself over to that way, that way of the samurai. Of he says, "This guy saved my life. I'll be." He has obviously. You can see he's wearing like a shirt with kanji on it when he gets the shit kicked out of him. Um, so he had that. He takes that interest in Asian culture to uh, extreme that many other people wouldn't <laughs> yep. but um you know he sort of says okay i'm going to find meaning in my life i'm going to train myself to the point where i can act as this guy's retainer and i'll do whatever he needs me to do and that's how he becomes a hitman that's sort of alluded to in the training montage where he's reading rashomon he's he's lying there sleeping on the uh, on the roof pigeons uh you know, yeah, because around it, him and he has it's that implied that he bag. was not a hitman before. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's like the scene with Louis rescuing him, then the training montage, and then you come to you know, sort of modern the modern day um, where he's working for him. So, and on the other hand, you've got you know the mafia are living by a code; they're making meaning out of their own you know life by you know sort of adhering to that we as western audiences especially at the time know more about that kind of code than we do about you know a samurai code certainly in 1999 you know more of a frame of reference for that so you know and they they reference this you know he's shown me nothing but respect you know and respect is a, a key theme in this movie i guess and then uh when uh I think it sort of comes towards the end too when uh, they're driving back from the castle and it's, uh, they call it the castle, I doubt it is, but, you know, and he's, uh, his mate is um, bleeding out in the car. Uh, Vinny, mm. I think his name is, you know. Um, you know, I like that line, you know, you, he's taking us out the old way, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, like real gangsters, you know. Um yeah, so those are some of the key themes for me in the movie. Um, I could go on at that point. View. <laughs> so, Dave, what did what did you? Yeah, <laughs> why why did you think you were a dumb dumb about this? Then uh, it's the... because like maybe maybe I looked at this movie and I I couldn't decide is this deep or am I just dumb and. I guess at the end of the day, like I understood what, uh, 
like what Dan has explained, like, you know, they, there's people living by a code and he's, you know, makes sense of his, uh, environment just by the way he lives. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, it just, for me, it kind of comes off as goofy because I have to, I have to understand that stuff within the context of the story. Mm. And it, it feels like they're two very different, um, like, ideology. The ideology does not match the setting, which for me is, like, a little bit of a disconnect. Like, I get it, but there's something where it just doesn't click for me. Hmm. Would you Would you watch it again? Like, after what Dan's... No. You wouldn't watch it again? <laughs> 100% not. Would you... One... I yeah. felt like this movie was very long, like it longer long. than it needed to be. Yeah. But I mean, I don't hate this movie. It's, it's not it's not a bad movie, but it's I just I there was something where I just could not engage with this movie on the level that maybe it wanted me to and maybe that's why the message didn't um I felt like did I miss something? Like I get it. But is there more? Are you interested in like checking out any more of Jarmusch's stuff down the line? Because I kind of want to. I kind of want to. It see depends. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm okay with watching any other movie. Like because even within d- directors, um, kind of their their stock of films or whatever they've they've made, typically they're not making the same movie over and over and over and ad nauseum, especially if they're like more of an auteur uh, filmmaker. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. He did broken flowers with Bill Murray. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 I've seen, well, I've seen another John Moosh movie then. There you go. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. If, if they are different enough from this movie, like I have no qualms with watching another one because I'm going to assume given the way that this movie is and like the themes that it tackles and stuff like that, there's, he probably didn't just make this movie again. Like it's, it's no, very God, original. No. Like it, I've definitely never seen a movie like this anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that no one has ever really try, attempted to make, or he has made another version of this movie. Hmm. I don't do you think, think yeah, you, yeah. you need to, like, I mean, all that philosophy, all that, you know, you can dig deeper, but it's not like mm-hmm. this is the most philosophical movie ever made. Let, let's, no, no. Let, you know, let's just put your audience at ease right here. It's just a cool movie about a guy mm. that, like I said, it's like the, like, this is a guy who's going, I'm going to make my own silences. And it's like he's like the the anarchist cookbook has come to life, right? This guy makes his own silences. He, you know, he's effort, effortlessly breaking into Mercedes and Lexuses. He steals that woman's Jaguar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he drives off of it. You know. <laughs> to be fair, that was her own fucking fault. Yeah, Why absolutely. would you leave a car, a convertible, just running in the oh, street? The Jag. You know, like back in a time where you could get away with that. You know, um, who knows? But. <laughs> You know, he's just got this kind of effortless cool about him as an assassin, right? Mm-hmm. As a hitman. He's a, he's a ghost, and bro. He's, a, he's ghost. a ghost. He's a dog. He's a ghost dog. Okay, hang on. There's one more thing I want to address. I mentioned it earlier. What the fuck is with that bear scene? Oh, okay. 
Because yeah. I looked at that and I'm like, is this supposed to be like a racism allegory? Yeah, is it that is. where you're going? I'm like, okay, yeah, like I get it, but at the same time, it just it felt so fucking weird and like out of character for him. So because yeah, go for it, go for it. I, because like he had just finishes he had just finished like murdering all those guys and he's like driving home, I assume wherever he's going, and then he just like sees two dudes with a bear on the road. And stops and just fucking kills them. And it's like, okay, like, wh- why would... My question is, why would you even stop? And I guess the answer is because the movie said he had to. But... Yeah, I mean, there's a scene prior to that where, like, Raymond is... He's got the book, The Wars, you know, like, the bear book in French. It's like, and he's, uh, like, yeah, yeah. trying it's to tell Pauline figure, about, right? about bears, right? And you go, like, you know, it's a solitary creature and, you know, yeah, all yeah, this. Yeah. So he's basically, like, describing Ghost Dog. Right. His spirit and like, you know, just persistence and stuff and Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Now yeah. did he need to stop and kill both those guys? Maybe not. But maybe not. you know, given that him and Raymond are always sort of like saying they're not talking past each other, right? They're saying the same kind of thing. So I guess that's the foreshadowing for that. If, if you need to see okay. the sense, of I, but I do it. like that line. You know, like you know, this ain't no ancient culture here, Mister. And he, sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah, like to me, I'm just like, what the fuck do you mean? Yeah, Why that? Because like, he says, you know, bears were, you know. Well, I, that, like, I saw, were, like, you know, I saw something different in this actually, like because, you know, because they're white hunters, aren't they? Both of them. And like they've mm-hmm. illegally killed it, and it's like I don't know. I saw like a metaphor for like racist murder. I don't know. I sure. And like be- because like he he says after like he justifies it by saying, "Oh, there's not many of these big black fuckers anymore." That's what he says basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then so, yeah, like, there's a hint of you know that, but I don't think that's why he stops. Right? I think he. Stops oh yeah, because... yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of, like, what they say... Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because then they point the gun on him and say, like... He basically says there's not many yeah. coloured people around yes, exactly. either, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I sort of saw that as a weird metaphor, to be honest. Um, but, yeah. I think, it, for me, it was a little bit ham-fisted. I think also, if you had seen Dead Man... Mm-hmm. And then... And we're all aware of that and some of the themes that he plays with in that movie, which is about the, you know, consequences of American Westwood expansion. And then, you know, he's playing with a theme that he uses in that movie as well. Um, There's actually one of the the, um, Native American actor um, that gets shot on the roof. He's a character called Nobody from dead man and that's his line <laughs> he also uses that line in dead man <laughs> stupid fucking one <laughs> oh yeah that's on my trivia actually yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um do you have any more themes or should i jump onto trivia you can go um, into trivia, some, I think. yeah, yeah find some find some cool stuff um so as you uh mentioned at the start dan mm. about uh, Forrest Whitaker, like this movie, like was definitive for him. Like in post, like people 
look back at this and say that this and another movie that you said yeah, like crying game yeah. yeah um but like jim jarmusch stated that he wrote ghost dog specifically for him and yeah. if whitaker hadn't taken it the film wouldn't have been made um which i think is pretty hmm. fucking interesting and then yeah you mentioned the seppuku uh death scene when he kills frank first pop in the stomach then the chest and then the head um same as seppuku where it's like belly sternum belly and then, sternum yeah, and then the, your friend cuts your head off you cut your head off yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. That's how I feel every night. I I drink with Dan after. (laughs) 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 Belly up on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Gary Farmer is the guy that plays nobody. And he has the same line stupid fucking white man. Um, Yeah. And Forrest Whitaker doesn't have an on screen non-voiceover line of dialogue until nearly 37 minutes in. Yeah, I noticed that. It was like 30 minutes in the movie and he hadn't said a damn word. (laughs) Raymond speaks French and English. This was what I wanted to check after I watched it because I was like, alright, so in French cinemas, what the fuck? You know what I mean? But like, Raymond speaks French in the English language version and Yoruba in the French language version. So like, he speaks a different language for French audiences. Huh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, And every time Ghost Dog is in a car and he puts the music on, what level does he turn the volume up to? It's 21, Thir- isn't it? 21, yeah. 21, yeah. Every time he gets in the car. Um, so the same track number? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Like you said, Dave, the movie never mentions where the story's set, but it's set in uh, mostly Jersey City. Jersey City, yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, and there's several scenes in the movie where the main character can be seen wearing a shirt that has Chinese writing on it. The text is from the Qing Dynasty and set and means all things are impermanent. This is the rule of creation and destruction. Once created, already extinguished, silently ending is the path to happiness. And in Chinese, that's Pinyin. Oh, that's the translation. Zhu Wing Wu Shang Shi Sheng Mi Fei Sheng Mi Mi Yi. Jimmy Wu, yeah, that's my uh, attempt at Chinese. But yeah, yeah. apologies to all your Mandarin <laughs> yeah. speakers. Yeah. Apologies, yeah. Um, I, I did he take just a Mandarin swore class uncontrollably in high school. But... At, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, getting the tones wrong. But, uh... I, I know uh, Pinguo, which is uh, give me an apple in Mandarin. But, um, but again, that's the... like a theme of the. Again, that that's very in line with the theme of the the movie about impermanence. The impermanence, yeah. 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 And, and many uh, things Hello, in this film are yeah. just they're very intentionally placed, like the cartoons, like the cartoons sort of foreshadow just, uh, the action that's going to happen uh-huh. afterwards. Like you know, they're watching Woody Woodpecker in the car, the Woodpecker on the way out, out there, and then he's trying to take a long range shot on the on the boss, and what lands on his barrel and yeah causes him mm. to have to stop. A woodpecker lands on his barrel. And then the cartoon where he shoots up the the drain pipe in the shower and then he does it in the... Betty Boop as well, when she's like calling the pigeons. Yeah, yeah, and then he trains pigeons in like a a very a scene not long after that, yeah. 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 I think it like, it doesn't necessarily foreshadow but it like corresponds to the events that like occur straight after or before or whatever. Um, Like, note for note. 
you know. Well, yeah, it's foreshadowing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but, um, um, Sonny Valero is a big fan of Public Enemy, and Jim Jarmusch was inspired to write this after reading that incarcerated mafiosos loved listening to hardcore hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, um, and that's that's it for trivia, really. Um, and it was Riz's acting debut as well. Which is, is that so? I mean, he has one line, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was Ghost Dog. So what we do now, Dan, is we move on to uh, ratings. Um, and we you can give it anything from a 0 to a 10 or an 11. Or like you said to me on the phone the other day, a 15 out of 10 or something. Oh, so 11 out of uh, 10. Yeah, 11 <laughs> out of 10. Um, but like, yeah, if you want to share your rating and why... I know, I know you've already probably just... This is the, the part where Dave tells us how much he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. We'll start with Dave, because I think Dave's got like more of a kind of... I'm uh, not negative kind of reception to it, but I want to hear what Dave thinks. Um, and then, okay, so yeah. for me, out of 10, this movie is like a six, six and a half. Okay. And like, this is not like a video game review where if it's below... Eight, it's utter dog shit. Like this isn't. I'm actually using the one to ten scale properly. <laughs> like it's it's an enjoyable enough movie. It's not my favorite. I feel like it could be better. Um, just in, I feel like there's so many scenes of him just driving in the car and the music's playing, but like nothing's actually really happening. Maybe again, I'm just a dummy and I, I'm like I don't get it. Um. There's weird shit in this movie, like the fucking resheathing of the gun looks cheesy as fuck. Like, there's so many small things that just, I'm like, this movie's old-er, so I get it. Mm. But, like, something like that, like, if you if you saw that kind of shit in a movie today, people would be like, is this a comedy? Like, I don't, what like, what the fuck is this? Mm. Like I don't I don't hate this movie because I think there are like interesting things like we discussed in the in the theme section. So it it gets points for me there, but yeah, like there's parts of this movie where I was just I was fucking bored. And like for me that is like the cardinal sin of any movie. If at any point in the movie I go, I'm bored, I wish I was doing something else, you fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, so you're gonna give it a six out. Uh, six. Yeah, six, I give uh, like six, six and a half. Um, I'll jump in dead quick. I'll let Dan if that's alright. I'll give you the less. Oh please, less please. yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Um, because I've got a soft spot for this movie because of the the personal kind of uh, trauma that was attached to previewing it. Um, <laughs> I couldn't you to watch it. Yeah, I couldn't quite forget it actually because of like that shit like just me just panicking and you're like you need to calm down and watch ghost dog and we did and it was just like huh and i, I like i took the train home to tokyo like that day and i was just reading non-stop about it at the time and but the whole time i was just thinking what the fuck did i just watch because it's just like such a mix of fucking styles just so explosively man like and like we mentioned in the themes, like between, you know, gangster movies and all this kind of stuff and like the Japanese, it's just such a really um, bold kind of project. Um, 
And I respect it because not everybody can do a movie like this. You know what I mean? Not any, not, <laughs> nobody can really, not many people, sorry, have like the filmmaking intellect to like mix things up to make some, something like this. You know what I mean? So th- thematically rich and, um, I don't know, like it explores culture and just, I get it. Like, like Dave said, some of it looks cheap and stuff, but like this is ninety nine, and it's it's. I wouldn't say it's a budget movie; it's an independent movie mm. that was successful, and mm-hmm. I respect it for what it is. And I love Forrest Whitaker as an actor; like I think he's really good in everything that I've seen him in, especially Star Wars as well. He was in Rogue One. I just, I just realized, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like. The second time I watched it, I kind of liked it more because I don't know, like he's insane. Like it's like a, you you're watching his insanity just like unfold, basically. And then half the time I was like, how does he justify like killing half of these people with the code and stuff? You know, <laughs> just it was really like weird the second time for me. Um, but I really enjoyed it more because. There was like a big gap between watching it with you. I think it's been like mm. half a year or whatever. And then like bits surprised me, like how he shot the guy through the sink. And I started to notice more stuff, you know. I think during watching that movie, you was pointing out like, oh, look at the for sale sign and look at this. And, you know, I kind of didn't notice that if I wouldn't notice that if it wasn't for you and all that kind of stuff. And what I'm trying to say is... I really do enjoy it. Um, it's a very kind of intriguing, rare kind of movie, to be honest. Um, and it makes me want to check out more kind of alter filmmakers because, you know what I mean? And just deviate from mainstream film a little bit because they tell the best stories, but like in way more kind of interesting ways, you know, visually or just like through sound or whatever. And I kind of want to... <laughs> I don't know, get back into the university student head phase where like I'd watch five films a week, like just random shit like Hong Kong movies or Goddard or whatever and just I really want to go back to that once I've got the time this spring vacation. So yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. I really respect it. I think it's a really good movie. I really do. Dan, <laughs> go for it. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always want to do that backwards. I mean, yeah, we all want to be in that space where you know, you can go watch, find five original movies you haven't seen that yeah. will challenge you and make you think. But instead, you load up, you know, for us living here too, the Japanese version of Netflix on, yeah. your, on your television and you just go, seen it, seen it, seen it, shit. Seen it, shit, 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 <laughs> yeah. shit, out of crap. Seen yeah. it, fucking like where? I, I know you have this huge library. Where are you hiding it? Give me yeah. like, for the love of God, I don't want to see your original content because you don't put a centima into the writing of it. That much has yeah. been obvious for anything that you've put out. Oh fucking yeah, man! In Even the last TV years. shows, man, like have fucking faltered. Imagine if we, as a culture, gave money to 
artists or authors like Jarmusch, more of them, and told original stories like this? How much richer as a culture would we be? But instead, we're going in the opposite direction where we're just going to churn out the same shit and I'm going to admit, I'm going to go watch it. I'm, I'm fried. I can't. I've got to work tomorrow night. But yeah, I would be. I'm going to go and watch Robert Patterson be an emo Batman. I'm as <laughs> we guilty. Are as maybe. I'm as guilty yep. as the rest of us, right? I know I'm going to walk out of that movie with a hollow feeling in my fucking brain, heart, and wallet going, well, that's two hours of my life I fucking want back. <laughs> I, know. I don't know man I get what you mean yeah right yeah, I get what you mean and sadly you know we're we're at that phase in our culture but um so yeah you know it, a movie like this I don't know it was really formative uh for me um it uh you know when I was into sort of his work at that time I was introduced to his work you know in university as you said, watching different challenging cinema and it was easy to, to get a hold of. And I don't know, I watched this movie. It's very much a vibes movie, right? <laughs> yes, I, I will agree with that. Right? And yeah, you need to be in a particular headspace to sit down and, and watch something like this at home, right? Because it's very chill. They, you know, people die, but it's not an action movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, you know I I made that connection to to John Wick, but like in only in like the the kind of pacing in the plot. Like John Wick is like going like a hundred miles an hour compared to this. Yeah, yeah. Compared to to this, it's like John Wick is on like Adderall, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. And, let, let, you know, let's be honest, it's hard to sit down and watch a two-hour movie at home because you've, your phones, if you haven't turned off all your notifications, or, you know, things like that. There's, there's distractions, right, where, you know, you don't get that if you go and sit in a dark in a cinema. cinema with a thing of popcorn in your head. You're allowed to have that time to disconnect. Um, but I don't... This movie, you know, is one of the... I've told you guys this, that like I very rarely watch things twice. Um, I've seen this <laughs> a bunch of times. Um, wow. And I, you know, I, as I said, I first saw this in 1999. It has aged pretty well. You know, it's still um, a great movie yeah there's some mm. goofy stuff like you say like you know him doing the the little swish with his gun is you know funny you know but yeah again back we weren't at peak weeb back then no no, no, no. god no right like japan this, was this still a, you know japan was still a very much an unknown kind of place like a lot of people didn't you know and anime was sort of a um, you know not as Oh, oh yeah, like, definitely. Popular, freaking yeah. anime was in the West in '99. Like, I did. I did a funny thing, you know, for university. Actually, as a kind of joke assignment, I, I watched the first 25 episodes of Pokemon on VHS. I might add, I rented them from my <laughs> local blockbuster in Mount Lily, uh, at the time, and I, I wrote a uh, essay about how 
um, you know, the about the absence of fathers in um, a lot of Japanese anime and uh, the Ajase complex hmm. and how um, that is very different to the Oedipal complex. It's often discussed in uh, you know, Western media. So anyway, that's a very much a side note. So, you know, anime was definitely a thing people were, it was definitely influential, but we weren't at, you know, the um, level of sort of fetishization of Japan. Degeneracy? <laughs> we, we weren't at, at, at hug pillows or anything. No, but, you know, yeah. we weren't at that, that sort of, that the Japan in the sort of level of consciousness that I think that we're at now. So, you know, it wasn't distasteful in the way that like, you know, if you made this, because I always, I would always ask this question of you guys when you do like an older movie is like, could you make this today? Mm. I don't think you could. (laughs) I think you could, but it wouldn't be good. Yeah. Right. But because this was made when it was, Mm. to me, it's a fantastic movie. You know, I, I, I love this film. Um, I think it, it it's a toss up between this and Dead Man as to which for me is his best work I haven't seen Patterson yet um, Adam Driver I do that is on Amazon I do mean to watch that I keep putting it off for some bizarre reason um, but yeah between those two these, for me they're, they're his best movies um, but yeah so I'd, I'd oh. say for me 9 out of 10 um because I just love where, this film, and I hope. Where does this rank for you on like your favorite movies of all time? Where definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely up there. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Top ten for sure. <laughs> Top ten. It's just also I'd be interested like to that, know what your number one is, but yeah. I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> I would also, you know, for anyone that is interested in samurai culture. Or you know Bushido, or you know, I, I would read Hagakure. I think it's a really interesting psychological text. You know, mm. again about that, you know, just that concept of following away. It's quite interesting. Mm. When I bought that book, you know, it was actually uh, at that time in the, the sort of turn of the century. Um, marketed to like CEOs in the same way that um, Sun Tzu's Art of War is. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm more partial to Book of Five Rings myself. But... Yeah, there you go. <coughs> yeah, I so, might yeah. give it a read actually. I don't think it's that long, is it? It's no, it's like... a very thin book. It's a very thin book. Much like. Victory Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which mm. people should also have a crack at. I might even go and grab myself another copy of it because uh, <laughs> I had to sell all of my books when I moved to Japan, sadly. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh... All right. Well, I think that brings this episode to a close. Unless anyone has anything else, I'm just, to I'm just add. thinking, I'm just thinking more about it. Like what Dan said, it's just, I might go back and watch it again in a few fucking weeks. 
I don't know. He's just a movie that just sticks with me. You know what I mean? Really, really cool. But yeah, um, Dan, we'd love to have you on again, man. Yes, of course. You. Yeah. Um, Anytime. I've got to kind of disclose something. Um, just in case you weren't going to do today. Um, just if something came up. Me and Dave were discussing like a backup movie. Um, I don't know if you want to do this next week, Dave. I probably don't want to. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, nope. We watched. We can Bl- pick something else. Yeah, we we watched. Well, did you watch Blues Brothers? Did you watch it? Fuck today? no! Because when I had heard Dan was like available today, I was like, ah, well, I know I what I'm so. watching. Um, I watched Blues Brothers just because. Um, you know, it's a, it's a classic. You know, SNL. You know. Uh, alumnus, you know, you got mm. uh, what uh, John Belushi and John Belushi, and yeah, and uh, Dan, Dan Aykroyd, who shares the same birthday as me in real life. Um, wasn't impressed to be honest, but I can probably put that down to my mood because I was like a bottle of wine in, and I was like, Where are the jokes? Where are the jokes? It's a funny so, movie. I can't, believe I, when I, you told I, me that the other day, I was, I was. I don't know, man. Like it's it's very weirdly edited. That's all I'll say. I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it. Yeah, but like and I'm I glad. Frame. I'm I'm glad we did this today, to be honest. But damn, I will talk about Blues Brothers with you separately. But um, yeah, Dave, do you have any idea of what we're gonna do next? I mean, the Batman um, is out. If you, it, well, I mean, it will be out tomorrow as of this recording. Um. I don't know. Are you going to have time to watch it? Because, like, that that will be the first time we do a movie that is, like, current. Yeah. If we do, yeah. Um, do watch it. I come back from Kyushu next Tuesday. Uh, next, next Wednesday, Tuesday. sorry. Next Wednesday, sorry. Uh, okay. But, like, if you need to see it before me, go ahead. And, but I'm, I'm going to go watch it Wednesday evening. I if think. it's good enough, maybe I'll go twice. All right, cool. All right, yeah. And then we'll go watch it. All right. Uh, I mean, but- 500 yen says that. You you don't see it twice because you're just so like disgusting. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's got. I mean, I don't re- trust re- reviews, anyone else's fucking movie reviews. Reviews is shit. Yeah, apart from the Midnight Film Club, of course. But uh, <laughs> you know what? Like, but, you know, I swore off of like superhero movies so many times, especially like after um, like Justice League. For example, and then yeah, I watched uh, the Snyder Cut. DC just I don't know if they struggle, but I actually kind of like the Snyder Cut. Maybe I'm weird. I think the last kind of DC. There's a long movie for you. <laughs> how how long is the Batman? I think it's like almost close to three hours. What? What the fuck? Yeah, if I, two like, hours I think, fifty-six minutes. Yeah, I think fuck? after after Snyder Cut. They're like, oh, people can sit through a three-hour movie. Well, Fuck it. if it's good. <laughs> yeah, well, that remains to be seen, like I suppose. Silence by Scorsese, Christ. that was three hours worth sitting through. But, like, what are people, like, after COVID, they haven't traveled for a long time, and they're like, you know what I really want? Like, I haven't been in a plane. You know what I really want? I want that feeling of when you, like, sit down for way too long and you get a sore ass. From sitting in economy class, so I want that in a cinema. You know, like. Well, you know, I don't what? think I, I'll so. Go see it, and I'll let you know. I don't think so. Oh, boys, God. Uh, boys, have you fucking watched like Gone with the Wind or like Ben Hur? Have you have you like Gone with the Wind's like four hours fucking long, bro? <laughs> 
Yeah, Lawrence yeah. of Arabia. That's three yeah. hours thirty minutes. You know that I, mean? I have seen a couple of times. But yeah, yeah a lot of those movies because you know you you catch them on a like rerun like on TV, right? So yeah, I don't know. I've probably seen well. like segments of them in my childhood. There's a lot of movies like that. I've seen like the middle ending and the beginning just at different times and like. You, you filled in mm. with the rest of the story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we 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 can discuss this later. Let's end the episode <laughs> here. Otherwise, we're gonna be chatting for like three hours. Yeah. Well, that so, was yeah. yeah. That was Ghost Dog and uh, Dan's debut. Uh, yes, yes. I'm sure you'll be back again. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thank, Thank you. I hope yeah. I was uh, useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you explained a movie that, in a way that you know, is pretty unique because of your kind of like history with it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, My pleasure. Though. Yeah, it was awesome, right. man. Awesome. So come back on again. We'd love to have you, man. Right. Then right. let's close this episode out. I don't know what we're watching next week, Batman or not, but I guess I'll see everyone next week. All right. Catch hey. you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.